This is going to be a different plug because we are not in the Bible engagement this week. Um, I know, it's kind of weird now, isn't it? Like, you're like just so expectant to hear Bible engagement. This week we're in volume four, we're in volume six, we're, you know, um, there's actually only a couple of months left of the Bible engagement. Could you believe it? Like, we're almost through the Old Testament. That's wild. But anyway, um, we wanted, we're almost through the Old Testament. But, um, Wanted to take a, a, a break this week. Um, our church, um, the main church on Sundays, we follow their messages. Um, we're all in this together, like High School Musical, you know. Uh, anyway, that's, anyway, uh, everybody's like, anyway, it's fine. Um, but like, so, so we basically piggyback off of what they speak on on Sunday. Um, so we're going to do the same thing tonight. Um, anybody know what Sunday was? Easter. Who hunted Easter eggs as a teenager or a preteen? Come on now. Yeah, buddy. Who got the money egg? <laughs> There's always a money egg. I know. Yeah, I know. Well, um so I hope you guys I hope you guys had a great I hope you guys had a great Easter. Um we had a really good Easter as well. It was, it was a good time. Um, this Sunday, we got to celebrate that. Um, we got to do a good Friday service as well. And it was just a, a really good time. I wanted to take a week to share that Easter story. If you've never heard it before, or maybe you just need a reminder, um, that's why we're, we're looking tonight. The, the, the title of the message tonight is The Aftermath. Everybody say Aftermath. The aftermath. We're looking at the story of Easter, really the aftermath of what happened on the cross. Jesus, you know, the, the story of Easter is that Jesus gave his life to die on a cross for our sins so that we could have relationship with God. We've been reading through the Old Testament in the Bible Engagement Project. And throughout the whole thing, it's all about being separated from God and how these people, and these characters that we've been reading about are just trying to get it right constantly, and they can't. Seems like they can never get it right. So what's, before we get into what we're going to read in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 27 and 28, um, before we get into that, want to just put something in your head. Have you guys ever had an event that happens that has ripple effects? The aftermath, right, of an event. And this could be good or bad. I'm going to give some examples of both. So if you have a good uh, a ripple effect, if there's some good aftermath um, after an event, it could be something like, uh, you know, getting good grades. You get good grades. What's the aftermath of getting good grades? You get a, you get a, you get a good report card and you don't get grounded and you get treats and all that stuff. Exactly. But, um. What about, what about guys who play sports or any extracurricular activity? You guys, you guys do that? Aftermath, right, of, of being able to, what's, what's that feeling uh, uh, like in the past or, or the, the, the couple of days after winning a big game or winning a competition? You're still on that, like, high of, like, man, that's so cool. It's so awesome. I love, um, I love high school sports especially, right? Because high school sports just carry something different, right? Like the Prescott-Bradshaw rivalry, like it's just, come on now. Where are we, where are we at? Prescott? Anybody? Anybody Prescott? Okay. A couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. Anybody Bradshaw? It's more Bradshaw. Sorry, Macy. I'm sorry. Macy, Macy's back there seething because 
She's a former. So is Grant. But, um, <laughs> hey guys. But sometimes, sometimes the aftermath of an event isn't always positive. Sometimes you don't have the good grades. Sometimes you lose out on the big games, or there are more important things that happen that can negatively impact and have ripple effects on your life. It, yeah. It could be it could be it could be losing a loved one. Uh, that has ripple effects that last for a long time. It could be it could be uh, having family issues and stuff that's just, you go home and it's like a war zone and you just, you never know really what to deal with. There's after effects and, and, and there's aftermath behind a lot of the events that happen in our lives. There's ripple effects both positively and negatively in our lives. So, yeah, we're going to, we're just going to get through this. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so as we, as we get into reading, uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 27. So if you have Bibles, uh, that'd be good to pull out. Um, if you don't have one, you can read it on the Sky Bible. Um, I just found out actually that Tristan, uh, Tristan Freeman didn't come up with that. Uh, he took it from somebody else. So I'm like, what? Tristan, I feel betrayed. It's fine. Um, anyway. As, as you guys are, are, are turning there or just getting ready to read with me, um, Matthew was basically, um, he, he was so concerned in telling the story of Jesus, right? Because Matthew's a gospel, and a gospel does what? It tells the story of who? Jesus. Tells the story of Jesus and, and, and uh, recounts all of these things, and they all kind of have different skews on them. They're all trying to do something different. That's what I think is so cool about all of the different Gospels. Matthew is so fixated on the fulfillment of the scriptures. Old Testament prophecy, Old Testament word, all that stuff had to be fulfilled somewhere. And Matthew was concerned that, that Jesus was the fulfillment to all of those things. Right? You guys with me? So that's what he, when he is telling his story, that's what, he, what he's concerned about. So it makes his account of the Easter story that we're about to read really, really important because Jesus fulfills a lot of things in the Easter story. So it's good to read out of Matthew for this. So I want to go ahead. I want to go ahead and I want to start in uh, chapter 27. We're going to read 45 through 55. Um, it's the NIV if you, if you have your Bibles and it looks a little different, but this is what it says. It says, from noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Jesus is already on the cross. He's already uh, being crucified. This is actually reading his, his last few moments here. It says, at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran up and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and he put it on a staff and he offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at this moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
The whole earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him were guarding Jesus, because they had soldiers who were guarding him while he was on the cross, they saw the earthquake and all that had happened, and they were terrified, and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And then it says in 55, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary the mother, uh, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So already from, from this account of, of Jesus' death here, when, when the veil is torn and when there's all this, this stuff that's happening as he's dying, Right? He's been on the cross, but as he's dying in these last few moments, that's when everything really starts to happen. That's when darkness comes. That's when an earthquake happens. It's in these last few moments as he's dying. I want you to grab onto this in the aftermath of, of the Easter story, that Jesus' death was a powerful thing. Jesus' death was powerful. Matthew, he writes about three weird things. There's darkness that, that fills the land. All right, even if you've ever lived in another state that does f turn back the clock or move forward, is it dark at 3 o'clock ever? <laughs> like, just randomly, unless there's a storm or whatever, but, but is it just randomly dark at 3 o'clock? Have you ever gotten out of school and it's just dark? No, no it doesn't happen. Earthquakes, uh, I don't know if you, there's ever been an earthquake around here, uh, I haven't lived here long enough, that's been big enough for you guys to feel, but, but, but there are um, earthquakes that, that happen, but they don't really happen on a magnitude most of the time where you feel it uh, a ton. And if they do, it's, it's very rare. And then you have, this is the craziest one, you have the resurrection of the saints. It says that not only did, you know, we're, we'll get into the story of Jesus resurrecting, but not only did that happen, but all of the saints, all of these people who had died actually were resurrected as Jesus died. And then they stayed in their tombs. And then when Jesus was resurrected, they started walking around the city. Now imagine like, that's like an episode of The Walking Dead. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, that's just what it is. Like, it's just, it's just crazy to think they're not, they're not. But, but like, that's just straight out of, like, you would not expect to be like, Oh, I was at his funeral three weeks ago, and now he's, like, walking around the city. Like, this is weird. But see, but see, you see, the interesting thing here, another interesting part, and then we'll get into kind of what this means. But it, Jesus, when he cries out to, to, to God, when he prayed to God for, for when he would ask him to do miracles and ask him for power and all this stuff— well, how would he address him? Anybody know? How would Jesus address God? What would he call him? Father. Who said father over here? Yeah. Yeah. In, in a lot of instances, Jesus, Jesus would say father. You know, it's my father's will. This is, I'm doing my father's work. I'm here because of the father. He would just constantly say that. And then when he's dying in these last few moments, what does he say? No. My God, my God. He calls 
he calls on God in the same way that we call on God. You see, the, the impactful significance of that is that Jesus took on sin and God can't be around sin, right? So if Jesus takes on sin and he, and he actually weighs him down, he can't be with God. So, so he has this separation from God that nobody else has ever felt before. You know, I want you to know something. This is a little off topic, but not really. A lot of times we can feel like God is so far away and God isn't close to us. And if you talk with me or you talk with a youth leader or you talk with somebody who's here to encourage you, we want you to know that God is never far away from your situation. He's never far away from you and what you're going through. I want you to know that. But in this instance, with Jesus on the cross dying and calling who he, you know, God, who he would normally call Father, when he actually says God, I want you to know in his case, in this instance, he was completely separated and cut off from God, the Father, completely. Like a lot of us would think that we know what it's like to not be around God. Jesus actually knows what it's like to be separated from the Father. That's a scary, scary place. That's why he says, why have you forsaken me? Why are you doing this to me? Like, it was a separation that none of us even can fathom. And I think there's another cool part in this, and that is that Jesus, it says he gave up his spirit. Could you put the, uh, the, the text back up, um, this, this past one? It says, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. It didn't say that he passed away. It didn't say that he died. It says that he gave up his spirit. I think... I was reading about it, I was, I was studying it, and there are scholars that think that he did that willingly, right? If he wanted angels to come down and if he really didn't want to die, he probably wouldn't have to. He, he, he willingly released, he gave up his spirit. That just speaks of the power that Jesus had and the fact that his death was powerful. Guys, I want you to understand the magnitude of, the, of what was going on in this thing of his death. There's darkness that is unprecedented. There's a huge earthquake and people are literally resurrecting around the tombs where Jesus was at. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty powerful. A lot of times we're like, I can't even think of an event that would be that powerful and change that much. Um, I was thinking about things that I've experienced and uh, it's kind of crazy, but it's like weird to think that um, that you guys haven't experienced what I'm about to share. There's one event that came to my mind when I was thinking of uh, what could carry a magnitude, a weight, a power, a gravitas like that, right? Do you guys remember studying or, or talking about uh, the events of 9-11? Yeah. yeah. Anybody, al al anybody alive for 9-11? Yeah, like toddlers, but yeah. Uh, I was a toddler. I was five which is crazy. Anyway, don't try to do the math right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, check this out. <laughs> no. So, no, hold on. I, I, want, I want you guys to really grab onto this because you guys have an uh, have a, a interesting experience where you didn't live through it um, and you didn't live, uh, you live post the, the event, but um, I was talking with some of our staff and I've always been really just, 
it's, it's, it's not weird, but just fascinated at the, the impact that that event that day could have. I was talking to some of our staff um, because I was five years old. I was in preschool when it happened. Um, and I was talking with uh, some of our staff members and they were just like sharing their story of how it happened and what they were going through and how they were just, it was a normal Tuesday, guys. It happened at like 9.45 in the morning. I was talking with one of, one of our staff members and he was on a hike that day. He didn't find out until like six o'clock that night. He didn't know. But yet, while he was out on his hike and so much had changed, so much was happening, I was talking to another staff member who said that he immediately called his wife. He immediately was, was, was just concerned and, and scared and talking uh, to her. Guys, there were people who were taking their kids out of schools. They, they were in other big cities. In other big cities, they were just waiting, kind of hunkering down and just waiting because they didn't know if their city was next. People in Chicago didn't know if they were gonna be the target next. People in Houston and all these big um, populated areas didn't know what was happening. They thought legitimately that a war was gonna break out that day and they had to be ready for an invasion. They thought the, the literal worst of the situation. And how could you not? That situation was just so wild and so crazy. If you've ever studied it or looked at it, it completely changed everything. I was talking to those same people about how air travel has changed. <laughs> they, guys, I, don't, I couldn't even understand this because I haven't even experienced it, but they were talking like you could literally get to an airport like five minutes before your flight. And you could just walk up and you could bring anybody you wanted to the gate with you and they would just, you know, see you off on the gate and they would say bye and then they would walk out. I was talking with one of, one of, the, one of the guys on our staff. He said literally like three months before 9-11, he was going to New York and he had just bought a handgun. Okay, this is crazy. This is crazy. He had just bought a handgun. And he went to the, to the people, uh, you know, the people at the service desk. He said, hey, I just bought this handgun. Um, is it cool if I bring it? And they were like, oh, um, yeah, just check it. You know, just, just put it in your bag. You can't bring it on the plane. Just check it and, uh, and you'll be good. Like, like, he just put it in a bag and they just, yeah, no, like, <laughs> he literally, he just had a gun and it was just in a bag that was underneath the plane. Could you imagine, like nowadays you get scared if you have like too much water. Oh, I have, I have half a cup of water. I better drink it before TSA yells at me and they make me feel rushed and all this stuff. Like for as much as we would look at 9-11 and how it's impacted and changed the scope of like how we live our life. There's been countless other things that, that have happened as well that you could point to as these huge events that happened that just changed the scope of life forever. This, this is important. This is powerful. This changed the scope of life forever for everyone. I want you guys to grab on to that fact that in the same way that, that some of those traumatic events and some of those, those huge events that just change the whole structure of how we live our life, Jesus' death is the most prominent, the most powerful, the most important in our life. You guys grabbing it with me? Awesome. 
I want to go ahead. I want to read um, in uh, 28. We're going to read uh, 1 through 10 real quick. Um, so this is just skipping down a little bit. Jesus has been buried. They uh, stuck a guard at the tomb because they were like, hey, Jesus' body could get stolen, and then they could say he resurrected. So we need to put a, a we need to put somebody there so that it's not going to get stolen and taken. So this is what it says in uh, in 28. Um, chapter uh, chapter 28, verse 1. Uh, we'll read through verse 10 here. It says, After the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, right, Sunday, that's why we do that, um, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was another violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning. And his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So they like passed out and fainted. They're like, ah, this is too crazy. Taking a nap. (laughs) Said the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. This is so cool. He says, he is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. How many people would be afraid if there was just an angel sitting on a tombstone of a dead man who you knew and he's like, oh, by the way, he's like not here. It's like, what? Well, okay, I guess I'm going to listen. So they take off, super afraid, but also filled with joy because it's like the fulfillment, this, this thing that Matthew wants to talk about. He fulfilled this, this word of raising from the dead. Suddenly, Jesus met them. So now, now they're running towards Jesus, trying to find him, and he just pops up like out of the woods. He's like, what's up? <laughs> and the, what's up? And he says, Greetings. And they came to him, and they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. And this is so cool. He says, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is a really cool thing because he says my brothers at the end. Who is he talking about here when he says my brothers? His disciples. Wait a minute. But if you know the story of, of Jesus' death and, and resurrection and him getting arrested and beaten and all this stuff, right? Where were the disciples when Jesus got arrested? No, nowhere. They, they all dipped, right? You ever had cops ever show up somewhere? Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little antsy. You're like, okay, um, maybe I need to leave. Like, listen, I was a teenager too. If cops showed up to a party or to something, it's like, okay, maybe I'm just going to leave, like, whatever. That's what the disciples did. So it's interesting, and and this is another side note. It's another tidbit. But it's so cool to know that that Jesus tells his his. Uh, tells these these women, he's like, hey, tell my brothers. These people who would abandon him, he, he calls brothers. It's, it's, it's amazing. But even more amazing than that, and it's already on the screen, so you could write it down if you are taking notes, but the resurrection is a miracle. So Jesus' death was powerful, and his resurrection is a miracle, right? I would say anytime somebody's raised from the dead, it would be a miracle, right? Yeah. Be pretty 
incredible. I think the, I was reading, um, I was studying, and one of the guys that I was reading from said the miraculous removal of the stone was not in order to let Jesus out, but to let the wom- women come in and see into the empty tomb. Jesus was already out by the time that the angel came and rolled the stone away. It was for the women to see in, not really even to let Jesus out. And this is what makes this story so cool. Maybe you're not at a spot where you can appreciate it. That's cool. But I want you guys to to know there is no, like, explanation of how Jesus was raised from the dead. There's no explanation of how he got out. There's no explanation for any of that stuff. I think, personally, that that speaks even more of the fact uh, of this miraculous event that happens with Jesus' resurrection. I think that... One of the beautiful parts about the story of Jesus is that we don't know every single detail all the time. I think it's so cool to, to know that and to, to see that. But Jesus, Jesus and his death and then his resurrection is, is really what we base our entire faith on, right? Because if you are ever... Um, looking at other religions or you're ever looking at, at, you know, studying them or maybe you're like, I just, I just want to see what everything's about. The coolest thing about this story and this part of the story is that it, it, it's different than any other. It makes Christianity, it makes us as a believer um, different than, than any other religion, any other faith out there. Why? Because because all of the other religions serve men who died. And then when they died, it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just find the second closest thing to that. And they just keep finding the, the next best and the next best and the next best. And, and, and once that person died, it was pretty much over. What this signifies and what this means is that our our death, or Jesus' death, means that we have a, a solid foundation for what we believe. I just think it's so cool to know that he is alive now. He's alive now. There's this, uh, this last little thing. It's a few verses, and I want to close on this because I think that this is the important thing in the aftermath. It's the thing that we actually are still doing. It says this in Matthew 28. Uh, 18 through 18 through, uh, through 20. Jesus has finally met the disciples. He's finally meeting up with them. This is the last thing that you read in the book of Matthew. Literally, you turn the page, it's, it's the next book. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's really cool. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Guys, Jesus' death is powerful. His resurrection is a miracle. And this that we read right here is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is the command. The Great Commission is the command that we have still to this day. From this point forward, this is the Christian mission. 
there was no more of this blurred line between, okay, Jesus is a Jew, so maybe we're, maybe we're Jewish, and maybe that's where we're at, you know, like, this is the, 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 the marker that, that moves things. This is the marker that changes everything in what we believe. This is the mission that we still have to this day, to go out, to reach people, to witness to people, to share the love of God with them, and to bring them to church? No. To disciple them, to, 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 to baptize them, to, to have them a part of the family. The mandate that Jesus gives after he was resurrected is not only for the church as a whole. It's not only so that we could go out as a youth ministry, but it's also individual. It's an individual mandate for us. It's, a, it's, it's something that we do both as a church, as a youth ministry, as a family here, but something we do individually as well. We can put together mission trips and do awesome things like camp where we're discipling people and bringing people together, and that's awesome. But there is a very clear mandate in this as well to share this story with other people so that they would be saved as well. And it's, and it comes from Jesus himself. Jesus literally just beat the death. He beat the, the grave. He beat death. He resurrected. And this is like the first thing he tells his disciples. And it's the last thing in Matthew that we get a chance to read. It's important for him as he gives that great commission to us. These guys looked up to Jesus. They wanted to follow him. 11 uh, of the, the new 12, they, they added a new one. 11 of them gave their lives up for Christ. Became martyrs. They believed in it. Jesus had done everything to back up the command to go and tell people this story of this good news. If there is one thing that I want you guys to, to grab onto tonight, I want you to understand that this story is not only just cool for us, it's not only something we celebrate on Easter, but it, it's followed by a command to share it with people. How many people would just be honest and say, there are people in my life, whether it's family, whether it's friends who need to hear this story, they need a relationship with Jesus. I'm raising my hand too. I have, I have people in my family, I have friends that I know that need to hear this story, that need to be reminded of this story. Guys, this is something to celebrate. This is how we base our entire faith. I love that. But more importantly, that's why it's at the end of the book, we're supposed to share it with people. This is not something to just hold on to, to put in your pocket and just chill out with. If you're talking with your friends, if you're hanging out with them and you notice that they're hurting or they're, they're broken, they need encouragement, this is the story to tell them. This gives us 
hope. This gives us joy. This gives us peace. This is the foundation of our faith. If you guys would, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you guys to really, really pay attention and really, really take these next few moments and just dial in to what God would be speaking in these next few moments. Tonight, if you would just be honest and say, you know, I, I don't even know if I believe this whole story. Like, you're telling me to share it. You're telling me to, to go out and, like, speak on this amazing story, but, like, I don't even know if I believe it. Jesus wants you to know, God wants you to know that you can trust him throughout the rest of the scriptures as we dive back into the Bible engagement project, as we continue to read through his word, it continues to validate itself. It continues to be just a marker of, of validation and truth. We can always come back to this for truth. So tonight, I just want you to know if you're having trouble believing this story or, or coming to gr terms with it, I just want you to know that it's okay to have questions. But what's more important is that we have faith. Tonight, if you would say, just in honesty, I need to have more faith in this story to even share it. If you would be honest with every uh, eye closed, if you would just be honest and say, I need more faith to believe this. <laughs> Starts there. If you would just raise your hand and say, I need more faith in my life. It's awesome. Tonight, if you would say, I, uh, I want to struggle, uh, I want to, to share this. I want to be able to, to share this story, but I'm too, like, I just feel inadequate. That's another lie. That's another thing that the enemy would love to say, hey, man, I just want to throw you down and, and you're not worth it. Let me tell you, you are. This story is, like I said, it, it's a key that unlocks everything if you're hurting or broken or you need to, to, to just have faith. This is, this is the way to it. Tonight, if you would say, I just need more courage and more strength to be able to share my, my testimony, share this story. If that would be you tonight, if you would just raise your hand and say, I want more strength to be able to, to just be a witness. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. I want to pray, and then we're going to go into another uh, a few minutes of worship. And I want you guys to just engage. Because if you're in a spot where you're just needing to hear from God, these are the moments that he speaks to you. These are the moments that he draws near to you and he starts to whisper things and put things on your your mind so father i pray over each and every student here tonight i pray that whatever it is that they are dealing with or walking through or struggling with or bringing about lord that you you would just be able to 
assure them in whatever they need. Father, if they need faith to even believe a story like this, I pray that you would give them that faith, that you would surround them with truth and just bring them to a spot where they can believe in you and believe that you are who you say you are. You're so good to us, Lord. And I pray that they would all just draw themselves near to you to be able to see it and hear it in their lives. Father, for those who are dealing with, with this thing of courage and strength and needing all of that to, to be able to share this amazing, amazing story, Father, I pray that you would begin to just give them the courage, give them the strength, but also give them the opportunity. Give them the ability to to be able to share this story. I pray that you would bring family members back into the fold who haven't been there for a while. I pray you would bring friends who, who have kind of uh, gone on and, and done their own thing. I pray that you would bring them back and they would be able to restore those connections. And I pray that each and every one of our relationships are always rooted in you and always point back to you. Father, I pray that you would just be with, with each student, each leader here tonight. I pray that they would just be able to dial themselves into whatever it is that you're wanting to speak for their life. I pray that you would be glorified in these next few moments. I pray that we would just be able to, to hear from you and whatever you want to say to us, that we would make ourselves open. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that we do. Thank you for this story. Thank you for the impact of the Easter story. Thank you that there is an aftermath in this that seems so negative and seems so cruel, but at the end is so sweet to us. We love you. We thank you for your word. And it's in your name that we all pray. We all said, amen. Amen.